Whoops, they did it again. That's right, the Nashville Predators went into the third period with a 3-1 to one lead and lost the game again. We're going to have our one word to describe last night's loss against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll talk about what went wrong and how the Preds might be able to fix this. And we're also going to take a quick look at those reverse retros. All that's coming up on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Predators podcast, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I am Ann Kimmel. I am a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com, and I am usually joined by my partner in crime, Nick Morgan, but Nick is off today. He will be back next week. So here I am all by myself talking about that game. Um going to be super fun to recap yet another Predators loss. The Predators lost last night to the Columbus Blue Jackets by a score of five to three. And it was one of those roller coaster, emotional, gastrointestinal horror shows um, that unfortunately maybe Predators fans are a little too familiar with. And, and that's kind of how this game was. We are going to start out. Nick and I always do our one word to describe the game. So my one word to describe the Blue Jackets game is deja vu. Really, really, really bad deja vu. This was like hockey deja vu on steroids. Um, and, it, and it was almost something that I thought we could joke about a little bit. And if you watched the uh, Bally Sports broadcast, uh, uh, Chris Mason and Willie Donnick kind of joked about like, oh, you know, before the third period, going into the third period with a three to one lead again, you know, surely it's not going to happen. Don't put it out there, people, because what happened is the Nashville Predators ultimately ended up losing this game five to three after entering the third period with a three to one lead. Um, so it was just deja vu. It's exactly the same score um, going into the third period against the LA Kings on Tuesday night where the Predators eventually lost in the shootout. It was like the same thing happening again. It was, you know, Nick talked his one word for the LA Kings game was Groundhog Day. Like exactly the same thing except, you know, except over and over again. It's just really bad hockey deja vu. So that was my one word to describe that game, you know, and I kept thinking, you know, as I was watching the game and recapping the game, I kept thinking, you know, surely this is not going to happen. Yeah. Well, if Wishin made it so, friends, the Predators would have won and I'd probably weigh 20 pounds less, but that's not the way the world or hockey works. So it was just deja vu. I went on Twitter after the game and just wanted to see because I, you know, I think all Preds fans had some pretty big feelings after the game in Columbus. And I wanted to ask, what was your one word? And so I compiled a list of the one words that I'm actually allowed to say on the podcast. <laughs> 
podcast. Twitter is actually a little bit more gracious with the swears um, than we are at Locked On. So some of the words that you suggested, while I am not questioning their um, their accuracy, are not ones that we're going to share on the podcast today. But here are some of the words that you all shared about the Columbus loss. So we, well, can't say that first word. So moving on to the second word, um, despicable. This is one of my favorite ones. It's purds. I, I think it's so, it's funny, not funny, but it's so funny when the predators do something that is just like not what you want to see them do. It's not playing at peak performance and people refer to it as the purds. I just think that's, I think that's funny. I thought this was a great word, submission. Like that is a great one word for this game. It was definitely like an MMA match that did not go well and the Predators tapped out in the third period. Um, so submission, great one word. Hurts, yes. Like, you know, I as I recap games, you know, and as Nick and I talk about them, of course, you know, we care about the games and we're passionate about the sport. But you try not to get super emotionally involved. But this one was like, okay, come on, man. Like Tuesday night was supposed to be the bounce back game. The Stella get your groove back from the Dallas, you know, twofer. And it didn't happen. And so you go into Columbus and you're like, okay, this is a team that can't score on the power play. So that shouldn't hurt the Predators. And this is a team that, you know, just won their first game. We should be, you know, the Predators should be able to come in here and kind of get their groove back. And they didn't. And this, I'm telling you, this loss hurt a little bit. I agree with Hurts. Embarrassing fact. Reckless, like that word, also fact. Frustrating, 100% fact. Uh, classic Preds. Wow. Not optimistic, as we like to say here, but like I can see where, you know, Fans are feeling a little burned out from last season still. Like we still are a little like hockey hungover from how disappointing some things were last season into the playoffs. So, you know, okay, here's one. I'm going to be honest. Here's one that I don't, I'm not really feeling and it's Heinz Dentity. So obviously John Heinz, big on the word identity, big on this identity hockey. Heinz Dentity sort of feels a little bit like this is something that John Hines is doing. Like he is not steering this ship correctly. And, you know, Nick and I had our little spat. That's not why he's not here. But Nick and I had a little discussion about Hines and responsibility. So, you know, I'm not really feeling that one, but that's just me. Pathetic, not optimistic, but I get it. Sad. Okay, here's the word that I think is, is, horribly, horrifyingly accurate, and it is impotent. The Predators looked completely impotent in that third period. That is the best word for their third period play. Totally, totally impotent. So, you know, as you can see from some of the words that I could share um, on the podcast and, you know, just the words and just the general sentiment um, on social media after this game, like, it's not a good feeling. Like there is not a good vibe right now with the Predators team. 
If you didn't happen to catch the game, let me just give you a real quick recap because we all share in the pain together here at Locked On Predators. We don't just one of us go down. We all go down together. The Predators were up 2-0 after the first period. Goals were scored by Tanner Janot and by Ryan Johansson. Uh, Yakov Trenin added a goal in the second period right after Columbus scored their first goal. Trenin answered right back, so that was great. Predators go into the third period up three to one. Now, the momentum at this point had kind of shifted about halfway through the second period. Just seemed like time of possession shifted, momentum shifted a little bit more Columbus's way. So thought, okay, we learned our lesson on Tuesday. The Predators are going to come out and they're going to have more energy and kind of push back more in the third. And that's just not what happened in the third period. The Columbus Blue Jackets scored four goals to win the game. They tied it up, got the game winning goal with one minute, 23 seconds left. And then just because it didn't hurt bad enough, Johnny Gaudreau scored an empty net goal. Now, Kevin Lankinen was in net for the Predators. Uh, Nashville announced that shortly before puck drop. And here's what's so frustrating about this game is that Kevin Lankinen played really, really well. He was absolutely under fire in the second half of the second period and throughout the entire third period. Just absolutely he was brutalized by the offense, the the pressure that Columbus was generating, but he played really well. He was just completely hung out to dry in that third period, especially um, the go-ahead goal was just a total defensive lapse and Lankinen paid the price, you know, which is a shame because like I said, the rest of his game, he really kept Nashville in it. So disappointing 5-3 loss. To the Columbus Blue Jackets, terrible deja vu. It's just not been the best hockey week. We still have a game on Saturday. I'm not sure we're ready to talk about that yet. So we're going to continue to break down and look at the Nashville Predators game against Columbus. We're going to talk about in a minute what went wrong. And then because we're optimists, we're going to try to find some solutions to this kind of weird skid that the Nashville Predators are finding themselves in in this first part of the season. Uh, we're going to do that in just a minute. But first, want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our great friends at BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting on football and the start of the new basketball season. Yesterday was what they called it a, a sports, um, not an eclipse. Anyway, it was a day when there was basketball, there was football, there was hockey, there was MLS, and there was baseball. So when we have all these sports going on in October, you need someone like betonline.net to give you the inside scoop on player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts. They have in-depth analysis for every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. They have live betting, up to the minute scores for, again, all those sports that are happening right now in October. The fastest and easiest way for you to check in on all your favorite games and events. Like I said, MLB, they even have MMA, they have boxing, they have golf on top of all of the major sports going on now. You can head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. 
So I was on Twitter feeling terribly sorry for myself as a National Predators fan and as somebody who covers the team. So I put out a question there asking on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling about the Predators? One is cool, calm, collected, like it's going to be fine. And 10 is like what in the actual flag nog is going on with this team? Got some interesting results. Took all the numbers and look, even though I was a theater major in college, I still know how to average some numbers. And our average response here is a 7.45 on a scale of 1 to 10. So, y'all, we are not in general feeling calm, cool, and collected about what is happening with the Nashville Predators. So I said at the beginning, my one word to describe this game was deja vu. Here are kind of the big things that were familiar and similar in this game against Columbus that the Predators dealt with Tuesday night against the LA Kings. So this is why we're feeling like we've been here before. It's because we have been. Uh, first of all, three to one lead in the third period. I mean, didn't have to be exact and yet there it was. It was exact three to one lead. So the Predators had that dreaded two goal lead. There was no power play success for the Nashville Predators on Tuesday against the Kings and again last night against Columbus. Nashville had in each of those games five chances with a man advantage and capitalized on exactly zero of them. Uh, another thing that was similar between these two games, zero goals scored by Nashville in the third period. They could generate no useful, productive offense in the third period. The flip side of that, that was the same in both games, is that the opponents scored multiple goals in the third period. LA put two goals on the board to tie it up and eventually win in the shootout. Columbus scored four in the third period. It was an absolute offensive onslaught. Hashtag pray for Kevin Lankinen. He saw some things. Um, Predators were outshot in the third period in both these games. Against the Kings, Nashville had three shots to the Kings' 15 in the third period. And last night, Nashville, eight shots on goal in the third period. Columbus had 17. So it wasn't like it was super close. Both times in the third period, Nashville was completely outplayed. I mean, offensive uh, production and chances and puck possession. I mean, just the third period was not at all Nashville's. So we're looking at this and let's just break it down. Let's just try to take some of the emotion out of it and let's just look at this as logically as we can. What are the problems here with the Nashville Predators so far? Six games in, what are what are we what are we dealing with here? Well, number one, we have top guys not producing. And it feels worse than I think it probably is because the production from our top lot from our top guys last season was just obviously phenomenal, record-setting seasons. And that's just not happening right now. So much of the offense went through Duchesne, Granlin, and Forsberg last season. So far in six games, that top line has three goals and eight assists. Five of those assists are Mikhail Granlin's. And um, one of those goals was an empty net goal. But you know what? They still count. It's still, it's still a goal. A goal's a goal. doesn't matter how you get them. 
So it feels like they're not producing as much because we're used to them really kind of carrying the team. Not happening quite as much so far, but I really think here is the player that I think maybe we aren't noticing, but is what is giving us that feeling more is Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi has one assist so far in six games. So definitely a drop off from his nearly point per game average last season. I mean, there was a point in time where he was looking to get over 100 points, finished with 96. So productive offensively. And it's just not happened for Yossi yet. So I think it feels worse. You know, when you look at the numbers for Duchesne, Graylin, Forsberg, three goals, eight assists in six games. It's not what we were used to last season, but it's not like they're not doing anything. I mean, they're not doing enough, but they're doing something. Roman Yossi is just not getting any offense. He's just not generating any offense. And for a player like Yossi and for a team like Nashville, there's a big hole when he's not active. The other thing I want to say is about Matt Duchesne and somebody apologized on Twitter for kind of calling out Duchesne and saying, you know, he's just not playing that well. And here, here's the thing. You all know that, you know, the success of my marriage hinges on the play of Matt Duchesne. It doesn't really, but you know, I'm a big defender of him. I think he's a very good hockey player. And I think he had a really rough start in Nashville and, and didn't get a fair shake because of just the circumstances under which he came to the team and sort of his first, you know, year and a half with Nashville was rocky with coaching changes, with COVID and, and all of that. I think he's a great hockey player. I will say this. I think from what we've seen in the six games so far this season, Matt Duchesne is not playing as well as we expect he would. I don't think he's cursed, but I can understand being disappointed. And here's what I think it is. I think he's trying to do too much. And, and I think that might be something the Predators in general are suffering with, is they're trying to do too much. And, and I think that's what's happening with Duchesne. So first of all, you can criticize Matt Duchesne. I'm not married to you. You can say what you want about Matt Duchesne. But I would agree, not what we're used to seeing from Dutchie. So hopefully that will improve. Another problem that I think we're seeing with the Predators is they are not playing enough five-on-five. So, so far, six games into this season, Nashville is second in the league in penalties. They have had 30 penalties. That's the most behind the LA Kings, which LA Kings could penalize us till the cows come home because the Predators couldn't convert. So we're looking at, you know, 30 penalties. And this is something, again, Nick and I addressed on an earlier podcast this week. You know, it's not just the two minutes that you can kill. The Predators have actually a pretty decent penalty kill, but it's the momentum that you give over. And I don't think we saw it quite as much in the game with Columbus, but definitely against LA, you know, these penalties are momentum killers. Like this is two minutes plus. So in the, you know, Columbus Blue Jackets game, almost the reverse happened when we weren't playing five on five, you know, when Nashville had a power play and couldn't capitalize on it five times that gives Columbus momentum. Like their kill just gets momentum. So not playing five on five hockey just is not working in the predators favor right now. I would say the other thing that I think is the problem is the predators seem addicted to the premature turtle, as I like to call it. It's this 
third period lull. And, you know, they play to protect a lead. And I think you can see it very obviously in the games against the Kings and, you know, last night against the Blue Jackets. They were playing to protect a lead. And you can't do that when you have a two-goal lead. Two-goal lead's the worst lead in hockey because you just get just a little bit too confident and, and those can be made up. You know, it's okay to play to protect a lead if you're up by more than two goals. But if you are so focused on playing defense, that means that the other team is so focused on playing offense. You know, in the last two games, six goals were scored in the third period. So, you know, premature turtling. It is not good on a number, a number of levels. Got our problems. Just some of them look, folks. I know that there's a lot more, but, you know, those are kind of the things that are jumping out after I've had a chance to breathe and sleep on it and digest it and try to take a step back from, you know, just a really painful Thursday night game. We're going to talk about, you know, like, how do we process this? What are what are the solutions here? And of course, we are going to touch real quick on those amazing reverse retros that came out uh, across the league. We're going to touch on those two in just a minute. But first, want to thank you for making Locked on Predators your first listen today. When you are done here, go make your second listen game to game NHL. Has every moment, every top performance, every result, even the ones we don't like, they talk about. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. You can follow Game to Game on Locked On NHL. It is available across all podcasting platforms and available on YouTube. All right, so we've got our problems. I mean, we've all got our problems. (laughs) So let's talk about our fixes for the Nashville Predators. So... I know y'all are going to hate this. I I know you're going to hate this, but I think the number one fix is time. And I get it. Like that's frustrating and, you know, you don't want to keep waiting for things to click. But I think that, you know, John Hines had a really good perspective he shared last season. He talked about you kind of look at an 82 game hockey season as like three semesters. So you're looking at like 27 games, a chunk. We are six games into the first semester of this season. Look, here's the upside. You don't want to peak in the first semester in the NHL. So, I mean, clearly we're hitting that mark. So, you know, trying to be optimistic about it. In six games, the Predators are what? 2-2, uh, 1-1. 2-2, 1-0, oh, and 1. So we're not peaking at the wrong time. Hopefully we'll be able to peak in the third semester of the 82 game season. But I do think there is an element of time. You have to remember that the Predators added two pieces to the puzzle. And and I do think that the Niederreiter piece is moving along and and kind of getting in a groove, especially with Johansson and and Tolvanen pretty quickly, all things considered. The McDonough-Eckholm piece, you know, just that defensive piece, I think is going to take a little bit longer to simmer than what I think we had all hoped. You know, you bring in somebody like McDonough and you think, hey, this is going to be an answer to the prayer. And, and it does help with defensive depth, but it's going to take some time. 
it's going to take time for this whole team to figure out kind of who they are and what they need. And we're only six games in. Like the loss was super frustrating. You know, you are not wrong that it feels like a 7.45, but it might not actually be a 7.45. So one of the fixes is just time, time for this team to gel, time for this team to find their groove. Like Stella did not get hers till she was in her 50s. We're not going to have to wait that long, but it may be 50 games in before we feel like we're really going to see who this team is. So don't let six games speak over the entire season. I'm not saying that there aren't real problems. I'm saying give some things some time. So one of the fixes is going to be time. Second fix, I think, is just to simplify. And I talked about this earlier with Matt Duchesne. Um, I think the Predators are trying to do too much, especially offensively and especially on the power play. Look at the Columbus game. The best goals in that game were those greasy goals. And I feel like Nashville is always trying to pass one time too many. They're trying to get like the slam dunk 100%. The goalie is on the West Coast and we're shooting the puck from the East Coast. It's that wide open kind of goals. And that's just not, you're not going to create those moments that often in an NHL game. You're just not. So stop going for the pretty easy slam dunk goals and put the dang puck on the net. You know, think about Tanner Janot's goal. Like Granlin put it on the net and and I think it was Granlin put it on the net and and Janot's just sitting there smacking at the puck until it leaks in the goal. It was not pretty. There were no style points. It counts for the same amount though. Uh same thing for Ryan Johansson. Ryan Johansson's goal like off balance Rebound came out and he just threw it back at the net. You know, Nashville has to stop trying to do too much. Hockey doesn't have to be pretty. It's one of my favorite things about hockey. Doesn't have to be pretty. You don't get style points. So simplify what you're doing. Same thing with the power play. Stop trying to wait for this minuscule lane to open up. Put some folks in front of the net and get the puck to the net. It doesn't have, you know, it's like one pass too many. You're doing one thing too many. Simplify it. Keep it simple. And the third thing I would say that needs to happen is that this team needs a gut check. This team needs to mature. Um, again, we talked about couple new pieces on it. I don't really feel like McDonough and Niederreiter are a problem in any way, but it's a new team. There, you know, it's, new players. We've got some younger players, you know, with the fourth line, we've got Cody Glass, we've got, you know, Ellie Tolvanen trying to kind of refine his footing and doing well at it. But I think there's, there's a point in time where you know, you have to have a gut check. And I think against Columbus in the third period where it was evident that the wheels were off the bus and rolling down the hill, that there wasn't that gut check that the Predators needed. Like nobody stepped up and said like, okay, let's get our stuff together and push back. Like they just aren't there yet. And, and that's going to come again. That's one of those things that's going to come with time. 
this team is going to find that gut check. This team is going to learn how to walk through these situations, hopefully. I mean, surely, right? So for me, those are kind of the key fixes. I do want to say that some of the responses on Twitter were very pointed at David Poyle and John Hines. And, you know, I get it. Haven't won a cup and under David Poyle. And, I, you know, I know some people say, you know, you spent money and brought in these new pieces. Why are you doing that when this is not a cup contender? I don't think you build a cup contender in one shebang. Like you don't hold off investing in your team. Like I don't believe in the tank. I don't believe you hold off investing in the team and making your team better because I don't think down the road, the that's not the long game. Like that long game very rarely pans out. Is there a problem with David Poyle? You know what? I, I don't think six games in, I, I just don't feel like we're there. I know that it is residual Poyle issues. I think it's residual frustration with John Hines because there are things like penalties that haven't been addressed. But look at what they did. Like the other glaring issues from this team last season, second line scoring issues with the defense, you know, not having a reliable backup goaltender. We love you, David Riddick. Um, you know, the Predators went out and David Poyle went out and he addressed the glaring issues. The the issue like penalties, the issue like the gut check that this team needs to have, I go back to that's a little bit on the team. Now, John Hines has to pull that out of them. But, you know, penalties and things like that, some of this is on the team. Some of this is on the players. So, you know, I get it. Residual frustration among the fan base towards Hines. He wasn't necessarily everybody's favorite hire. I don't think everybody felt like, you know, there was due diligence done when he was hired so quickly. And of course, heaven forbid, we all know Barry Trotz allegedly owns a house somewhere in middle Tennessee. Y'all just breathe through it. We're six games in. So, you know, we just need to let things marinate. And, and I will tell you that that was not the cry of my heart, like with a minute left to go in this, you know, the Columbus game, like my blood pressure was up. I was saying non-Twitter friendly words in my mind. I have children. I can't say those out loud. So I get the frustration, but again, we're, we're in it for 82 games. We're in the first trimester, you know, of, of an 82 game season there is opportunity, clearly opportunity for growth. And I think it can still happen. So let's let it marinate. I will say this, Saturday night, Predators face off against the Philadelphia Flyers. Just personally, I really don't want to lose to their new coach because I just have a thing about that and about him. Let's hope, and I know we did this with the Kings, and I know we did this with Columbus, but let's hope that Saturday the Predators can start to put these, some of these pieces together, especially in the third period, and get a win. It's just what we're going to hope for. We'll see what happens. And you know on Monday we're going to bring you the recap, and we're going to talk through it, and, and we're all probably going to have big feelings regardless of how the game goes, and Lockdown Predators is going to be there 
Before we go, do want to touch on the reverse retro jerseys that came out. Adidas uh, and the NHL partnered up and did reverse retros. And a lot of mixed reviews with Nashville's. Um, I think people kind of want, I think it was Rachel Kay who writes at onthefourcheck.com. She's a great lady. Her comment was that she was hoping for more gray Poupon and less French's when it came to the mustard color. But you know, I will say personally, really like the reverse retro. I love the logo. I love the little stripe at the bottom and on the sleeves. I will be getting myself a reverse retro for sure. But, you know, curious to see how you all felt about them. I thought Nashville did pretty well. I think they were middle of the pack for the NHL in general. I'm going to give you my top five real quick, my top five reverse retro jerseys um, in random order. This is like Miss Universe, like the top five are in random order. I love the Winnipeg Jets jersey. They have like the hockey stick J and then it has like the little jet next to it. And I just, I feel like it's just clicking with like white and the blue stripe at the bottom. So I loved Winnipeg's. Love the Buffalo Sabres with a caveat. Okay, love the Buffalo logo. Um, I grew up near Buffalo listening to Buffalo, you know, channels and hearing about the Sabres. Never watched a game, but I heard about the Sabres. So I really love the Buffalo logo. I wish it had a little bit more color on the jersey. So that's my caveat to that one. Just a little pump, you know, a little more pop of color. Not all just white would have made it like total chef's kiss. Uh, probably my favorite is the New York Rangers. I feel like they nailed the colors, like just the right balance of the red and the blue with just that little hint of the white. And I love the logo with the Statue of Liberty and just the NYR. Love the Rangers jersey. If I really liked a Ranger, I would think about getting that jersey. Shout out to J.D. Young at Locked on Sharks because the Sharks nailed the jersey. Theirs is like this really simple white um, it's got like an aqua and yellow goldish color with it, but it just says sharks on it in like this really amazing, cool lettering. So love the sharks. And probably my my other top five one is the Washington Capitals, which, you know, I really wish I, I didn't like it as much, but I do. It has like kind of the like really like saucy looking eagle landing. And then it has um, the name along the bottom kind of at an angle. So I loved those ones. Those are my top five favorite. Uh, the ones that I weren't so big on, not a big fan of the colors of Arizona's. I know a lot of people love them. Not a big fan. Um, the Anaheim Ducks, I just like the duck mask is not, it just doesn't do anything for me. And full disclosure, like I am a smart woman, um, but I had no idea what the Edmund, Edmonton Oilers one was. Like it was process of elimination to figure out like what that thing is on the front of it. So Edmonton is was a miss for me. But felt like Nashville, middle of the pack. Some I loved, some not so much. Um, and hopefully I'm going to hunt down a Rem Pit Lick Montreal Canadiens jersey too. So that's going to do it actually for Locked on Predators today. And for the week, it's Friday, everyone. Everybody breathe. The weekend is here. We made it. It was painful, 
from a hockey standpoint, but we did make it. Want to thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. You can find Locked On Predators anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. When you see it there, subscribe. We are also on YouTube. So if you're checking us out on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that will let you know every time we have a video. We are a five-day week podcast. So We will be there breaking down all of the Nashville Predators news and action for you. You can find my work at InsideThePreds.com. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice. Nick will be back on Monday talking about that Flyers game on Saturday. Here's hoping the Predators have a better showing. Hope you all have a great weekend and we'll see you later.